You're listening to Swipe East, Swipe West, where we dive into the dating differences from coast to coast. I'm your host, Ashley Davis. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Swipe East, Swipe West, the dating and culture podcast focusing on differences from coast to coast. I'm your host, Ashley, and you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Swipe East, Swipe West. I am coming at you live today in a cast because in true Ashley fashion, I fell when I was roller skating and broke my arm. So I'm finishing up this episode one-handed. So apologies if there are any issues that you hear, but I'm doing my best over here. This is the season finale for season two. I can't believe it's here. I feel like season two has been a wild ride because in season one, if you were around, you would know um, I was comparing differences between Philly and LA. Season two, I expanded to different cities around the globe. And it's it's been a lot and really great and awesome to meet some new people, talk to some friends and hear about the cities that they live in and any challenges and successes with making friends and dating. So I hope that if you've been along this journey with me, that you've enjoyed the show so far. And for anyone new here, welcome. Definitely check out this episode and the rest in the catalog. So I start off each episode with a life update, and I definitely have a few since the last time that we had a podcast, which was right after I got back from Coachella. So since then, my friends and I had a wild night out for Cinco de Mayo in Newport Beach in Orange County. And I also had some experiences up in Venice as well. So our Cinco de Mayo night was interesting. We started off at dinner where there was a DJ playing throwback tunes. And then we had some shock girls that were walking around giving us free drinks and t-shirts. So we already knew it was going to be a good night. Migrated over to this bar that a waitress recommended for us and things just continued to escalate. Um, Half my friends went home um, because it was a Thursday and they're smart. Uh, The other half of us stayed. And One of my friends met a alleged billionaire who was buying us drinks and looked like a greasy old salesman. So that was definitely uh, questionable. Then at another point, uh, some guy asked to buy me a shot. I said, sure. He asked what I wanted. I told him green tea because again, Thursday night, trying not to go crazy before I had a meeting the next morning. And he told me, no, (laughs) he literally was like, no, I'm not buying you that. And I was like, okay. I'm like, unsure why you asked me then. He was like, I'm going to buy you tequila. And I was like, fine. We get this tequila shot. It looks like a double. So I split it with my friend and this man got like mad at me. And I was like, dude, it's not like I gave this entire drink away and just had you buy it for me for fun. One. And two, I didn't even ask you for this. Like you denied me that my drink of choice. And I explained to him I had to be up early the next day. And his reply was like, why are you here? And I was like, okay, I'm done. I'm done with this conversation. The rest of the men I talked to were way too lit to function, but two of my friends had a successful evening. So I will leave it at that. Then a couple of days later, I had a birthday celebration for my friend up in Venice Beach. And, you know, things got a little rowdy at the first bar. We were at the, the Venice waterfront. And then we took a break because of day drinking, trying to be responsible, and migrated to another bar called The Brig, um, which was in Venice. 
And on the way, my friend and I got stopped by these two men, uh, one of which, again, like just completely obliterated, like could not form a sentence. And he, you know, was like, oh, you're pretty, like you're like a pretty girl. And I was like, okay, thanks. Like this means nothing to me right now because you don't even know where you are. Uh, But my friend convinced him to take a photo with me and he's like starting to take a photo and he goes in to kiss my cheek and his friend tried to stop him. His friend who was much more coherent. This guy is like pushing his friend, yelling at him to get out of his photo. It was like... It was uh, pretty entertaining um, for us to watch. I mean, my friend caught all of this on the iPhone live photos that she took. So I will cherish these memories forever. And I don't know, maybe I'll run into this guy again, even though I seriously doubt he'll remember me. But I think the point of these two stories is that the men and women, you know, including me and my friends ready for Feral Girl Summer are ready to be out and about. I think, again, if you've been following this podcast, you would hear in season one, like when I first moved here pre-COVID, I could not meet anyone friend or relationship-wise at all. Like it was so difficult like for any guy to want to talk to me, like wasn't given the time of day. And I feel, I really truly feel, and I've said this in some other episodes, that being in a quarantine as terrible and you know hard as it was for many people helped at least the people of LA come out of their shell and be open to maybe some others that they normally wouldn't have, maybe meet people in real life, not on dating apps. I still cannot stand the dating apps. And who knows what we'll have in store um, for me this summer. Um, again, like I'm single. My f- couple of my friends are very single. So we are interested to see what happens. And while this is the season finale, I'm never opposed to doing ad hoc episodes to keep you guys updated. So we will see what happens there. But diving into this week's episode, so I'm super excited to have my friend Mel on as this week's guest. So Mel, I actually met uh, through my friend Brittany, who was the guest on the Milwaukee episode. They ended up growing up together, and Mel now currently lives in Sacramento. Um, She currently does have a partner, but you'll hear throughout the episode her reference um, some past relationships, one in particular that she had when she first moved to Sacramento. And I I really like this episode because I, I think when you think of Northern California, which is where Sacramento is, you think of San Francisco and kind of forget all the areas around it. And Sacramento is not terribly far. Um, so it was really interesting to hear about the dynamic there, how things are changing with San Francisco. And um, she was also in an open relationship. So we talk about that experience as well and any you know challenges and struggles she had there. And uh, again, like I had an open relationship as well. So I share some of my thoughts too, but super excited to dive into it and hope you all enjoy. And I will see you all in season three. If you liked what you've heard so far, please rate, review, subscribe, follow on wherever you're listening to this podcast, tell of your friends, share this out. And if you ever want to be a guest in the future, please send me a DM on Instagram at swipe east, swipe west. I'm always looking for new guests for new cities or even the same city and a new perspective. So thanks again for everyone for tuning in and let's dive into it with Mel. Mel, how are you doing today on this Sunday afternoon? Doing so well. I taught my second in-studio yoga class this morning, so I'm feeling 
really alive and grateful after that experience. That's awesome. How long have you been involved in yoga? I know you went to like a retreat, I think last summer, was it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I took my first yoga class ever in college at UW-Milwaukee. I was like, oh, I can take yoga for credits. That sounds up my alley. And I had this amazing teacher and I actually ended up taking the class twice and just fell in love with the practice. So I've been doing yoga for about 10 years on and off. But like you mentioned, last summer I went to Bali and I finally did my yoga teacher training. And uh, it was wonderful. So I'm finally putting all that good school use to use. I've been doing like outdoor classes here and there during the pandemic. And yeah, this is my second Sunday morning in a studio here in Sacramento. That's awesome. Because I, I, I feel like a lot of people don't, at least that I know and have heard of, like don't actually go to like Bali or to India to do the training. They, like Because I know a lot of studios, they'll do like the training, like a 300 hour course or whatever it is like in their studio. So it's awesome that you actually like took the leap to to go all in and, and do that. And now you're teaching in a studio. That's that's great. Yeah, I just went for it. It was time, you know, the pandemic really shed light on things that I wanted to share with other people. And this was one of them. It's done so much for me in terms of my healing my nervous system. And I just want to share that with others. But here in the United States, or at least in Sacramento, the research that I've done regarding yoga teacher training is it happens solely on the weekends. And I work and I go to school during the week and I like my weekends to be my time. So it just seemed more conducive with my schedule to one, go somewhere so beautiful and really immerse in it. And two, uh, have like a more intense experience where it's yoga training for a full month and then yeah. come back. Yeah. That's amazing that you did that. Mm-hmm. I was jealous watching you on social media. <laughs> <laughs> it was a really special time to be in Bali because technically they were still closed, although it wasn't that challenging to get there. You just needed to endure about a five-day quarantine in a hotel in Jakarta on the way. Uh, But it was wonderful because once I got there, I had so much of Bali to myself. I would meet people who were traveling around and they'd say, it's normally not this quiet. And Mm. uh, it was really wonderful to experience things and feel like there wasn't as much tourism as there normally is. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Which is good for me, but for the country, the community, that's how they make their money. So you know, silver linings in it all. Well, that's amazing. Congrats again. Thank you. Yeah. And so like you said, you're currently in Sacramento. So can you talk to me about what brought you there? I know you're originally you're not from there. So what what caused you to, to make that leap? So originally, I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, born and raised. And around the age of 21, I was really looking to move somewhere else. I was pretty open to just being somewhere warm, hopefully pretty close to an ocean would have been ideal. Uh, But like I said, really open to go anywhere. And then uh, once I opened myself up to the idea of moving, I serendipitously met a friend through our mutual friend, Brittany, this girl named Alicia. I'm not sure if you've met her yet or heard of her. I've heard of her. 
the first uh, Milwaukeean that I knew to migrate this way to California. And when I met her and she told me she was coming out here, I was like, can I come? Can I join you? She's like, yes, please. And I said, okay, give me a year and I'll get my stuff together and, and I'll come. And she'd call me every couple days. Sometimes I'd screen her calls because it's, it, it's nerve wracking when you're like, oh, I'm making a huge life decision. But finally, come January 2014, I packed up my little Honda Civic Coupe and drove out here with a girlfriend, made a road trip out of it. And once I landed in Sacramento, I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> Although <laughs> the, the pause comes from the, the plan was to link up with this friend and us travel around California because I hadn't really heard of anything about Sacramento. You hear about LA, San Francisco, Santa Barbara, things of such nature, but you never really hear much of Sacramento. But quickly after moving here, I got into a relationship. So that's why I made this place my home. But Sacramento is uh, similar to Milwaukee in the sense that it's like a large, small city or a small, big city. <laughs> uh, I know the greater uh, Sacramento area has just over 1 million people. I could be wrong, but I feel like that's the last time I Googled it, I saw, which is very similar in Milwaukee. It's like, you know, you have your downtown, your midtown, you're often running into people you know. That being said, around the time when I moved here, 2014, it's uh, Sacramento's been going through a lot of change and lots of art and more vibrancy is happening here because uh, Sacramento tends to be more of a conservative area. Uh, it is the capital, so there's just this energy around it being um, a little more subdued and quiet. But like I said, I'm watching it grow and unfold into this really beautiful, beautiful city with a lot of parks and a lot of nature and a lot of music and art events happening, farmers markets, and it's a good place to call home. That's great. And yeah, I feel like the only reason I know about Sacramento is from the show Even Stevens on Disney because <laughs> I lived in Sacramento. Yeah. There's like that that song she sings, the Sacramento Girl song. <laughs> yeah. You're bringing me back to my Saturday mornings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So a qu quick question for you. So when you say conservative, like, do you mean like politically conservative or like, can you elaborate a little bit more on that point? It's still pretty liberal. It is California. You know, when elections come, everyone's got their sign out and it's usually for a Democrat. That being said, there are definitely pockets of conservative areas, especially like where my partner grew up in Loomis or Roseville, kind of like the greater like urban areas outside of Sacramento. You know, there's a lot of white America conservative life uh, in the country. But I mean conservative when I say, when I bring that up around Sacramento, meaning just in comparison to LA or San Francisco, where things are really booming with art and music and events, you know, Sacramento tends to have more rules, more regulations, and a lot of state workers here. So the energy is just 
a little more calm and a little more careful and you can just feel it. But like I said, in the last couple of years, there's been this, well, San Francisco has been getting really expensive. So people are moving to Sacramento from the Bay. So they're bringing with them this, this energy of liveliness to it. And a lot of people are moving here, you know, to either be like young professionals or raising their children in a more affordable area as opposed to like the most expensive real estate in the United States, um, which makes sense, which is tough because it affects, you know, our rent, but it also makes for so much like new, fresh opportunities and uh, things happening here in Sacramento. So yeah, it's changing and it's good. Yeah. So that's interesting to hear because I, my next question was going to be like, so how far is Sacramento from the Bay? Like if you were to drive to San Francisco, how long would that take you? It's about an hour and a half if you're really cruising. (laughs) Yeah. And sometimes you can hit some traffic, which will take a lot longer, but that's, what's nice about Sacramento. And I think that's (laughs) what a lot of my friends will say is it's a really good place you know, to call home because you're a day trip away from San Francisco, Lake Tahoe, Yosemite, some of the most beautiful areas in Northern California. And I'm a nature girl, so I love being outside. And it's nice. I can go 15 or 45 minutes and have a beautiful hike and experience all that California has to offer. And that's why I love living here. And that's what I'm really, really grateful for. Yeah. And in a more affordable place than San Francisco rent. Yeah. And more green spaces and a little calmer. Yeah. Because it's interesting that you're saying people are leaving the Bay and coming to Sacramento because, and that makes a lot of sense, what you're saying and the rationale, especially with COVID, honestly. I was almost going to wonder and ask you if people from Sacramento were at least from like a nightlife perspective, like going to San Francisco to like go out for a night. Like if I don't know if there's like trains direct or anything, because I'm almost even thinking like that distance is similar to like Philly to New York, where I moved here from. So not all the time, but sometimes people would go to Philly to New York if they wanted like a more big city experience for a night out. So wasn't sure if like that's something that it happens often or if people that move to Sacramento are then like commuting to San Francisco for work or if they're working remotely now. Not sure if you have any insight into into any of that. Yeah. So there is the Amtrak, which is a really beautiful train ride from downtown Sac to San Francisco. It goes through the countryside. Uh, Highly recommend if anyone comes here to give it a try. It's very beautiful. And that's about $50 round trip. And there's also, I don't know if it's called Megabus anymore. They might have been bought out, but there's a bus situation that's definitely more affordable. Similar uh, situation, except less beautiful, gets you to San Francisco really quickly, very cheap. Um, But a lot of people live here and drive into the city, which God bless them because that traffic (laughs) is... (laughs) really intense. But uh, for me, I like to go to San Francisco, meet up with some friends, go to a party, a show. I have some friends that live there, spend the night or, you know, rent an Airbnb or get a hotel and come back the next day. It's also nice because 
Uh, for example, a couple of weeks ago, I went and saw a concert and just left work early and went down for the concert and then came back the same evening. So it's really easy depending on what your schedule is and if you can time it out right with the traffic. Sounds a little bit like LA, to be <laughs> honest. <laughs> so how would you describe the people that live in Sacramento? Like, especially in comparison to like people in San Francisco, because San Francisco is a lot of like tech. Um, I know people are like, oh, it's a lot of like tech bros, like people that kind of look or dress the same. Like there's like that stereotype. So how would you describe people in Sacramento? And is the city and that makeup of people now changing with people from the Bay coming down? Hmm. Well, I would say Sacramento, it's definitely has a relaxed atmosphere here. You know, there's still nightlife if you want that. There's not as much techno as I would like. <laughs> but, you know, if you like top 40 or if you want to go to the queer bars or if you want to see a drag show or, um, you know, go to some breweries, we've got it all here in terms of that, which is really nice. That being said, because it is a smaller city, there isn't as much variety as, say, San Francisco has. So you can wait a couple weeks between events that really call to you. So there are people that hang out at home or in parks or go to farmer's markets or, you know, go to brunch and things like that. But uh, Sacramento, it's much more, I would say, up and coming families. You know, there's a lot of people in relationships here. I would say it's a very like, get serious <laughs> area where people are um, looking for long term things, you know, so they're buying homes, which have more space uh for outdoor things or for family uh so it's it's not it doesn't have that city vibe where people are all living on top of each other but in in San Francisco my experience there is unfortunately there's been a lot of change like you said the tech industry has come through and in San Francisco in the last 5 10 years has really morphed into such a different atmosphere than from what it once was. But it's nice because you can still find little pockets if you search for it that still have that like classic San Francisco, like rooted, grungy, artistic vibe, which I love to find. But yeah, that being said, Sacramento, it's it's hard to describe. It's it's got that small city vibe. And I think I know for me, when I moved here, what I loved about it so much was the people. There is this richness of really real people here. And I've been able to come into this blessing of friends since day one. I have a great group of support, a lot of amazing girlfriends, and just a wonderful circle. And I know. I don't just speak for myself here. I think a lot of people feel it here. There is just that like Northern California realness. <laughs> yeah, I can't I can't describe it any any way else. That's that's how it feels for me. Yeah, I mean, I think people sometimes forget that California is a large state and that LA is not the same as 
a Sacramento. So the vibe that you get and the types of people you get in LA, which from my experience has been a lot of transplants, you know, you still get some locals in the area, but a lot of transplants kind of all coming to the city looking for the same type of dream. So you kind of get a similar type of person there. It's not the same as maybe someone in Sacramento that maybe they grew up there, maybe it's a transplant, but they're kind of looking for a different type of experience, I guess, uh, maybe more of that artistic, friendly type of atmosphere than what you would get in LA. I think people kind of forget that Northern California and Southern California, and even the cities within those two pockets are, they're, they're not the same, which is why I'm doing this podcast. Yeah, so. that actually brings me to an interesting fact I thought I'd share with you is um, Northern California has been or has a huge history in cults. There's been a lot of cults that have grown out of Northern California here, which I find just really fascinating. But I bring it up because there is this desire to be like self-aware and to have these like spiritual experiences. Um, that being said, being so close to uh, San Francisco, you know, like the love era and just like the openness or, you know, quote unquote, like hippie mentality, it definitely like seeps into other parts of Northern California. So yeah, I just thought I'd bring that up because it's an interesting fact. <laughs> that is interesting. Wasn't, was that like very, uh, I'm blanking on his name and I should know, know this, that cult, the really famous one where the guy not Marilyn Manson. What was his name? Char Char Charles, Charles Manson. Manson? Yeah. yeah, it was that was Northern California, wasn't it? Uh, I'm not so sure. I bet you're right. I think a lot of them have come out of this area. <laughs> that's that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. It makes sense though, because yeah, because yeah, back in the day, like I feel like around the '70s, it was kind of that like hippie, free drugs like that mentality music mm -hmm. so yeah kind of like a lot of young professionals who are seeking a experience because the one they've had so far doesn't feel accurate for them so they find this group to belong to and so it unfolds mm -hmm. yeah so transition from that when you came to Sacramento I know you said you've, you've met a bunch of girlfriends. You've also found a relationship. So how did you meet these people? Like moving from Wisconsin, like I know you had your one friend, but aside from that, like how were you making friends and finding this relationship? Yeah. So my friend Alicia that I basically followed out here, she was living in East Sacramento. I live in Oak Park, which is about 10 minutes away. And she was living in a friend's home. And this friend was a man and he said it was all right for me to live with them for a couple weeks while I got my feet on the ground. Well, him and I ended up falling in love. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. So pretty soon after moving here, it was pretty quick. I got into a relationship. That's like something you see in a movie or read in a book. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was definitely quick. It was all encompassing and it was a big, big love of my life. 
Uh, this person became everything I knew about Sacramento. They were very involved in art and music. And luckily, you know, I was able to come into their friend group. So I'm very appreciative of that because this person is a really, a really good human being. And I was able to just kind of effortlessly call in this group as my friends as well which is really remarkable. I still have some of the close friends that I did make then now and even closer are my girlfriends, which I really appreciate. But yeah, I moved in uh, with him and my friend. He also had two children that lived there part-time, which was a new experience for me. You know, here I am moving to California and I'm going to do this thing that's totally for me and my growth. And right away, I couldn't help but, you know, fall for this person and all that they opened me up to. And at the same time, uh, you know, going, wow, I'm 21 at this point. And here I am, you know, falling in love with this man who's 15 years older than me with two children is quite an experience I didn't think I was going to (laughs) have at that point. But yeah, I've always been a pretty open person. um, And I do really value relationships. And I have been in relationships, you know, most of my adult life, because I feel like one, I love love. And two, I learned so much about myself through relationship. But yeah, I'm, I'm no longer with that partner, but we were together for about two and a half years. I, of course, was first as roommate. And then we turned partners and, you know, everything was intense in that relationship. A lot of ups, a lot of downs, but it didn't end up working. I'm, I'm no longer with that partner. I don't know if I mentioned that. And it was, yeah, it was just an intense time of my life. How did you manage that with him having kids as well, especially at such a young age? Because I also, like I was, when I was 22, I was like, not in a relationship, but I was at one point, like, I guess in quotes, involved with someone that was like 23 years older. And he also had kids. And I was he was very immature and drank a lot. And very quickly, I was like, this is not for me. So I was definitely not the same extent as you. But I can't imagine, especially at such a young age, like trying to manage not only like a new relationship with someone that much older, but also someone with with children in a new place. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I, what I saw in him, above everything is that he was a really amazing father. And I think that's why I was so attracted to him, amongst other things. Um, He definitely had a young spirit, but he was very wise and a really loving, kind person. But I had had challenges with my own father prior to that relationship. And I think I saw such a role model for what it's like to be a good father in these children's life. And it attracted me to him and also showed me that that's what I had yearned for when I was young. So now, you know, I'm 29 and I can look at this relationship because I've had space from it. At the time, you know, it was very intense and I wasn't able to understand like, is this really 
right for me, you know, it just felt right. So I went for it. And his children were, are wonderful. And we have had such special relationships. But it was challenging because I don't know if you've ever been around children for long periods of time, but they can really show you where your triggers lie. And, you know, I had a lot at the time around how I was raised by my parents, you know, and feeling abandoned by my father. So I sought out this person, this mentor, and fell in love with their story and the experience. Over time, it became very challenging because, you know, I was so young and didn't know how to take care of myself and felt like I needed to take care of them, even though my partner was like, you're not their mother, like, yeah, be young, be you, you know, take what you need, let me know how I can help you is very orchestrating and having me like, do what I needed. But I, you know, I'm a nurturer, I, I'm a lover, I'm a cancer, I'm you know, I just take care of people around me. And I really, really struggled being around this family, the children, and also taking care of myself. I wasn't ready yet, is what I really found out. Yeah. And I feel like it would be hard for anyone to not try and take care of someone else's kids that you're in a relationship with. Even if they're saying no, like, it's kind of like inherent that you would feel that need, especially I feel like as a woman, it's kind of like right. in our nature. Yeah. Every little thing you do, you think about it, like, are my clothes appropriate? What about the words that I'm saying? You know, it's just, it's in all the details. And even though I was given total freedom to be who I am and was, it was uh, a challenge for me. Cause like I said, I was young and I didn't know how to navigate my own feelings let alone live in a house with young kids who are navigating their own. So it was, it was a learning experience. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So is that ultimately why the relationship ended? No, it wasn't. It, it was a combination of things, but I would say the relationship ended because I was afraid to be vulnerable. You know, this person and I practiced an open relationship, which was another layer of challenge for me at the time. Pretty early on in our relationship, my partner told me he was into having like a plural, plurality love. And, and I had had friends a couple years back that I had met who had a similar relationship. So I actually was interested you know, and to take it even back a little further, my parents were married, you know, my whole life. They got divorced the same year I moved out to California, but they were together, you know, for 30 years and it was toxic and not good. They, they didn't really know how to love and communicate with one another. So it kind of took my view away from normal marriage and opened me up to like other possibilities of how to love and be good to your partner and, and to be honest with yourself. So when I met my last partner, he, you know, mentioned openness to me and I was like, <gasps> got scared and felt like 
wow, is this a sign that I'm not good enough? And although it wasn't, uh, that's something throughout our relationship I continued to struggle with. And we started to talk and I started to open up to the idea like, okay, this is something I've thought about before. This person feels like the right person to try this with. I trust him. And yeah, it just, it started from there, but I continued to face that in myself over and over again, like not feeling good enough, which is a me issue, obviously. So I would say, you know, over the course of the relationship in sharing our relationship with other people, you know, him with other women and me with other men, it was very vulnerable to honestly share with your partner these deep experiences you're having with others because that's how we chose to do it it wasn't like oh will you do your thing and I'll do mine and we don't talk about it it was very like I'm about to hang out with this person how do you feel about it is this okay this is as far as I think I'm going this is you know these are my boundaries and it was just like a lot of conversation around feelings. And I was with this partner from 21 to 23, I believe. And I just hadn't really started learning my own vocabulary around my feelings, which later I end up doing. I have these like experiences with uh, this group called the Awareness Institute, and I go to retreats and such where I learn how to navigate that. But being in the relationship, it's it's just a lot, you know, you're already in relationship, which is this beautiful mirror as to like where you're at. And then taking another level, like opening it up with other people, it's like, oh, I'm feeling jealous. Oh, I'm feeling in- insecure. And oh, you have feelings for that person? Like, oh my gosh, wow, I want to like close down and hate you. But like, what's actually going on underneath? You know, what am I truly feeling? Where is this coming from? And it was just a lot for me to navigate at the time. Because like I said, I didn't really have the tools yet of understanding who I was, what I needed, how I communicate. Um, And I really kind of let my partner at the time lead me through situations and hadn't really felt totally confident in who I was. So in terms of the relationship ending, it was just this combination of feeling like over time, I wasn't really truly sharing how I was feeling about the openness or the connections that were being made. And I started to like ice myself out of the relationship and get like bitter. And really, it was like a coping mechanism for feeling scared because my partner was developing really strong feelings for a person and uh, falling in love. And I just started to like bow out and let them come together. So I just wasn't ready. You know, it's a, it's a lot to open yourself up to one person, let alone multiple, you know, and it does teach you so much about 
what's actually going on underneath the surface. But at that age and that space I was navigating, I just wasn't ready. So that in combination with having, you know, children around where there's this like different energy, it was just, um, it was taking my focus away from myself. And that's really why I had moved out to California was to be with myself and heal these parts that really I'd been wanting to heal for a while. That's really interesting that you went through that and experienced that because I was also in an open relationship at one point in Philly uh, with my ex-boyfriend. And our open relationship was a little bit different. And it's interesting because I feel like everyone's open relationship or poly relationship or anything that's not monogamous is like different. And ours was, we were open, but it was one of those situations where I knew I was moving to California for similar reasons to you. I just wanted to do something different, kind of find myself a little bit more. And I didn't want to be in a relationship when I knew I was going to leave. Um, and I didn't want to have someone across the country that I was going to have to you know, like be calling all the time, attend to their needs on top of my needs in a completely new place. So I had met my ex before I was moving and I was upfront with him like that I was leaving. I didn't want anything serious, but we both liked each other. So I was like, I'm willing to be with you. Like I want, you know, I like you, but I need like some openness here because I can't mentally commit when I know I'm about to leave and I don't want to leave committed to someone. And ultimately it failed for the same reasons that you just described. And he was you basically, where he was kind of saying like, he felt that he wasn't good enough for me because of the open relationship. He wasn't really like sharing his feelings with me about how he felt about it all the time either. Like he kept, like, I would always check in and be like, are you sure this is still working for you. Cause if it's not, we should talk about it or end it or change something. And he would always say like, yes, it's fine. Like it's fine. And then he would get like drunk and like have an outburst about something or like do something to like intentionally hurt me. That was like out of bounds of what our rules and guidelines were. So ultimately didn't work out, obviously, because I'm still single <laughs> doing this show. Um, but it's just really interesting to hear your perspective because it's like very similar to how my ex-, ex was feeling as well. Like he just wasn't ready for it. And I think he part of why he agreed to just be in it is because he was like, I'd rather be with you and deal with this than not be with you. But it just ended up like backfiring in the end. Yeah. in our situation. Yeah, it's a uh, really beautiful if you can do it well, but it does present a lot of challenges. I mean, monogamy is challenging as well. Uh it just yeah, it opens you up to, you know, more people, more energy to share, things of such nature. Yeah, it uh it was a cool experience. I think if I were to ever be in an open relationship now that I'm older, I would go a lot differently. Uh, not saying that I would try it again, um, but just where I was, I wasn't equipped with the tools to navigate it in the way that uh, a more mature adult would be, I think. 
but it's beautiful, you know, to experience something like that and to invite people in to share that it's, um, you know, unique. Yeah. And it's not for everyone. And I think it has its pros and cons too. I think monogamy also, my personal opinion is getting harder these days also just with dating apps and just how culturally even millennials, Gen Z, everything's changing with like social media and just the state of the world, like how people behave and just like dating apps are basically even, and even Instagram, it's like a catalog of people at your fingertips. Like, you know, and it's, we just didn't have that. People didn't have that back in the day. So it was like, you could commit to someone and yeah, maybe you go to a bar and see someone attractive, but I feel like it's a lot, at least my perspective, again, it's easier to kind of say no to that man or woman across the bar that like you have to go out of your way to talk to than mindlessly scrolling through something and just sending out messages. Like there's more temptation there that was that didn't used to exist. Yeah. I mean, I haven't been uh, single in a few years now, but I've actually never been on a dating app and only have met people you know, naturally through life experience. And I don't know if I would ever be single again. I don't think I would try to not get on the apps. I would try to still have that like natural occurrence, but I understand living, you know, in LA where things are like really spread out or, you know, just the excitement of being single and seeing who's out there at your fingertips like that. This wild, this day and age we live in. I hate the dating apps also. I, I won't use them anymore. Like Hinge is now, has now been offloaded <laughs> off of my phone <laughs> because like, yeah, like, I mean, it's, yeah, like, I mean, in LA and like other major cities too, it's, it's, it's hard sometimes when you're super busy. And I f- at least first felt when I moved here, people were kind of standoffish even when I would go out to bars. So, cause I, pr- I much prefer to meet people in real life. I think it's easier to kind of get a feel for who they are and like what they're like and pick up on like their, the vibe and the energy they pick out. And I don't know, I feel more comfortable with this, with, even though they're still a stranger, I feel more comfortable talking to someone in person and then going out with them versus like a photo on, on socials or an app. When I, like, I don't know anything about you. Like, I don't even know if you're a real human. Like I've been catfished before, you know? So I don't know. It's just like my own personal thing, but I've actually, I was just telling my friend today now, um, with the pandemic and things starting to reopen a bit more, I actually feel like people are sick of the apps. Like I've been like on TikTok and I've been seeing so many videos. Yeah. I've seen so many videos of people just saying how they're so over it. And now apps are just all like hookup thing. And just like, cause we were kind of forced to use them the last few years. Cause no one could go out or, or you could, but you weren't comfortable. And people are like, I'm done. I want human interaction. And even the past few weeks I've been going out in LA where I feel like in the past, like when I first moved here pre-COVID, I felt like people did not would not give me the time of day. And sometimes that's still the case, depending on where you go. Like I've been like approaching people or like guys have been approaching me and actually like talking to me and getting my phone number, which like never used yes, to be. Yes, that's should be. I know, but like and in Philly, like Philly, that was kind of always the case because it's just like people are like more chill there. But in LA, there was always, at least my take when I first came here, like people kind of like stuck to their group. They needed to like know who you were, if you were like 
could offer them something. Um, like it was easier to meet people at like house parties and stuff. But now I think people are just like, I just wanted to talk to anyone that's like a human that I haven't seen repeatedly for the past two years. Like, Yeah, like actually share some chemistry or see if it's there. Yeah, exactly. So I'm like, I'm great. I'm happy with this. Like, (laughs) (laughs) Yes, me too. More in-person experiences for sure. So stemming off of that then, so I know you met you're, you kind of had a unique situation meeting your first group of friends and your um, first boyfriend in Sacramento. But is that is that the norm then? Like you could just kind of go out and like start talking to people and that's how you would like make friends or like get, you know, potentially dates and stuff? I I would say yes. I mean, I'm pretty adventurous and friendly with people when I'm out. I like to have one-on-one conversations um, and talk to interesting people or see like who draws me in, you know. Uh, so I would say Sacramento is pretty chill and that you can have, have that when you go out. Um, it's a little bit hard for me to have an authority on the subject as I have been in relationship, but I would say, you know, just meeting friends and things like that. It's, it's pretty easy to go out and just find some like-minded open people to talk to. And that's similar to how it was in Milwaukee. Yeah, really similar. Milwaukee has this like chill beer drinking party atmosphere (laughs) it's uh yeah they're they're similar in the sense of like the size and the amount of like relaxed individuals and how they go out but i would say you know sacramento it's much more open-minded and lots of beautiful people and i mean the midwest breeds some really gorgeous people as well but yeah, I mean, it's warm here. It's just there's that feeling of like going out and making connections. And um, I think it's rooted in like a much more um, grounded energy here, where it's just like people wanting to meet other people and have human to human connections, I think. And maybe I'm biased because that's my perspective and that's who I am. Um, so I, I see that when I go out, you know, cause that's what I'm trying to have if I'm going out. Cause for the most part, I like to stay in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You no. Know, so if I'm going to go out, it's going to be a good time and hopefully I'm going to meet great people and it's going to feel, you know, purposeful. No. Yeah. That makes sense. Like make your night out worth it. Exactly. And then one other thing that just popped into my head, because I know we were talking about open relationships. And I feel like I've met on my own people from like that area, like Northern California, that have been like in polyamorous relationships, open relationships, like, I've met like quite a few that have had those experiences. So is that something that's like that you are aware of and maybe not that's fine is that like a like a typical thing for that area or i would say it's not very typical of sacramento sacramento has like more of this like let's settle down and get in a relationship and you know maybe make a baby or not as opposed to san francisco it's very heavy in the poly 
open relationship world. You know, you have the free love movement that happened there in the 60s. And it's just kind of maintained this, like, why do I need to settle for one when I can have three? And people really practice all different types of openness there. I know I have uh, a friend who, you know, is open to both men and women and really enjoyed dating in both areas there. And um, yeah, I just think in San Francisco, it's just an energy of openness. So you're going to go to parties and you can just feel it in the atmosphere of like people who are attracted to anyone and are willing to have relationships of all different kinds. There's just, it's, it's just happening there. And I think maybe that's part to do with how busy people are. They aren't wanting to commit to just one person because they're trying to pay their bills above anything. So they're trying to maybe have, you know, more intimacy or more sex or whatever it is, the reason that they're getting into these open relationships. But I think for the most part, you know, a lot of people believe that it's progressive to uh, be open, you know, uh, or maybe it's not, maybe it's like what our ancestors did when we were cave people, you know, but there are just so many breeds of people in that area who are looking to have experiences. And that happens to be open relationships. That makes sense. And that's interesting. And I'm glad that that's validated because I was like meeting people like from that area. And I kept hearing like, Oh, I was Polly. I tried this. I tried that. And I was like, this is like, I'm seeing like a theme, like a trend that you're all from like this SF area (laughs) and like are trying this. So I was curious if it was just like happenstance or actually a thing. So yeah, I mean, you can go to like, I I don't know if they have it anymore because it's such a liberal area and they were really intense with COVID, but yeah, I'm pretty sure there's like sex clubs. There's probably underground <laughs> sex clubs. You know, people are yeah, having group great. sex. Mm. They're <laughs> just experimenting in all Mel, different thank ways. Thank you so much for joining me and I think, sharing. I think all it's your a land of freaks, and I mean that your in experience a, in a positive way. On this Sunday afternoon. <laughs> Thanks for having me. This has been really fun. I look forward to hearing all your future podcasts about all the different perspectives on love and dating in different areas. I'm glad. I'm excited too. All right. Have a good week. You too. I'd like to thank everyone that's helped make this podcast possible, specifically Kayla McNulty that helped create the podcast, Ray Zaragoza, The Kid Inside, Ellie Bernstein, Maggie DeBaradine, and Lindsay Weiner that all helped contribute in some sort of way. You can find us on Instagram at swipeyswipewest. Send us a DM with any questions, comments, suggestions. Thank you all again for listening. Have a great rest of your week.